section 29 of Elia in the last essays of Elia. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Elia in the Last Essays of Elia by Charles Lamb. Preface by a friend of the late Elia. This poor gentleman, who for some months past had been in a declining way, hath at length paid his final tribute to nature. To say truth, it is time he were gone. The humor of the thing, if there was ever much in it, was pretty well exhausted, and a two years and a half existence has been a tolerable duration for a phantom. I am now at liberty to confess that much which I have heard objected to my late friend's writings was well-founded. Crude they are, I grant you, sort of unlicked, incondite things, villainously pranked in an affected array of antique modes and phrases. They had not been his if they had been other than such. Better it is that a writer should be natural in a self-pleasing quaintness than to affect a naturalness, so-called, that should be strange to him. Egotistical they have been pronounced by some who did not know that what he tells us as of himself was often true, only historically of another. As in a former essay, to save many instances, where under the first person his favorite figure, he shadows forth the forlorn estate of a country boy placed at a London school, far from his friends and connections, in direct opposition to his own early history. If it be egotism to imply and twine with his own identity the griefs and affections of another, making himself many, or reducing many unto himself, then is the skillful novelist who all along brings in his hero, or heroine, speaking of themselves, the greatest egotist of all, who yet has never, therefore, been accused of that narrowness? And how shall the intenser dramatist escape being faulty, who, doubtless, under cover of passion uttered by another, oftentimes gives blameless vent to his most inward feelings, and expresses his own story modestly? My late friend was in many respects a singular character. Those who did not like him hated him, and some who once liked him afterwards became his bitterest haters. The truth is, he gave himself too little concern what he uttered, and in whose presence. He observed neither time nor place, and would e'en out with what came uppermost. With the severe religionist, he would pass for a free thinker, while the other factions set him down for a bigot or persuaded themselves that he belied his sentiments. Few understood him, and I am not certain that at all times he quite understood himself. He too much affected that dangerous figure, irony. He sowed doubtful speeches and reaped plain, unequivocal hatred. He would interrupt the gravest discussion with some light jest, and yet, perhaps, not quite irrelevant in ears that could understand it. Your long and much talkers hated him. The informal habit of his mind, joined to an inveterate impediment of speech, forbade him to be an orator, and he seemed determined that no one else should play that part when he was present. He was petite and ordinary in his person and appearance. I have seen him sometimes in what is called good company, but where he has been a stranger, sit silent and be suspected for an odd fellow, till some unlucky occasion provoking it, he would stutter out some senseless pun, not altogether senseless, perhaps, if rightly taken, which has stamped his character for the evening. It was hit or miss with him, that nine times out of ten, 
he contrived by this device to send away a whole company his enemies. His conceptions rose kindlier than his utterance, and his happiest impromptus had the appearance of effort. He has been accused of trying to be witty, when in truth he was but struggling to give his poor thoughts articulation. He chose his companions for some individuality of character which they manifested. Hence, not many persons of science, and few professed literati, were of his counsels. They were, for the most part, persons of an uncertain fortune, and, as to such people, commonly nothing is more obnoxious than a gentleman of settled, though moderate, income. He passed with most of them for a great miser. To my knowledge, this was a mistake. His intimidos, to confess a truth, were in the world's eye a ragged regiment. He found them floating on the surface of society, in the color or something else, and the weed pleased him. The burrs stuck to him, but they were jibod and loving burrs for all that. He never greatly cared for the society of what he called good people. If any of these were scandalized, and offenses were sure to arise, he could not help it. When he has been remonstrated with for not making more concessions to the feelings of good people, he would retort by asking, what one point did these good people ever concede to him? He was temperate in his meals and diversions, but always kept a little on this side of abstemiousness. Only in the use of the Indian weed he might be thought a little excessive. He took it, he would say, as a solvent of speech. Mary, as the friendly vapor ascended, how his prattle would curl up sometimes with it. The ligaments which tongue-tied him were loosened, and the stammerer proceeded a statist. I do not know whether I ought to bemoan or rejoice that my old friend has departed. His chests were beginning to grow obsolete, and his stories to be found out. He felt the approaches of age, and while he pretended to cling to life, you saw how slender were the ties left to bind him. Discoursing with him latterly on this subject, he expressed himself with a pettishness, which I thought unworthy of him. In our walks about his suburban retreat, as he called it, at Shacklewell, some children belonging to a school of industry had met us, and bowed and curtsied, as he thought, in an especial manner to him. They take me for a visiting governor, he muttered earnestly. He had horror, which he carried to a foible, of looking like anything important and parochial. He thought he approached nearer to the stamp daily. He had a general aversion from being treated like a grave or respectable character, and kept a wary eye upon the advances of age that should so entitle him. He heard it always, while it was possible, with people younger than himself. He did not conform to the march of time, but was dragged along in this procession. His manners lagged behind his years. He was too much of the boy man. The toga virilis never sate gracefully on his shoulders. The impressions of infancy had burnt into him, and he resented the importance of manhood. These were weaknesses, but such as they were, they are a key to explicate some of his writings. End of section 29